Welcome to the Legend, everyone. I'm your host, Tom Wheeler. I'm very excited to introduce our guest today. He's a successful entrepreneur and owner of Book Two. Uh, he's a best-selling author, and he's from great days. Welcome to the show, Sean Dowdell, everybody. Hello, sir. How's it going? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Hey, my pleasure. Long time no see. Great to have you back on the show. Uh, I know you've been uh, very, very busy with the guys lately. Uh, I really wanted to have you back on the show. And, and there's interesting things we weren't able to dive into as much before. Uh, so that's what we're doing here. And that is, I'd like to start first with Club Tattoo itself. Uh, it's a very interesting concept. Um, and and you, you, know, you and your wife, you know, what better partner uh, to go into than with uh, your uh, wife? Uh, how did this whole thing kind of start up with you for Club Tattoo? So we started Club Tattoo in 1995 in Tempe, Arizona. Uh, basically, it started as an idea between our bass player in Great A's, May Spires, and myself. Um, okay. We had been throwing a, a nightclub promotion with Great A's where we would play and we would invite tattoo artists to come and uh, tattoo at the nightclub. That was in the you know mid-90s. It was kind of a different time. Oh, yeah. And then we decided um, because we were doing started doing a lot of these little satellite tours where we would go out to L.A. or San Diego or Denver or Austin, Texas to, to play for three, four nights, but then we'd come back and, and even though the band would do well and we would make a little bit of money, we would not um, put money in our own pockets and we all had bills to pay. Oh, so yeah, we came up with the idea of opening up a tattoo shop and calling it club tattoo so that we could kind of supplement our income while we were out on the road. Well, once we did that, we leveraged the band's notoriety and oh, okay. kind of local fame, I guess. And every time we'd play with a big national act, you know, uh, you know, Vince Neil or Seven Mary Three or No Doubt or whatever, we'd go and grab the bands and we'd bring them back to the tattoo shop and we'd tattoo them for free. And then they'd get up on stage that night and tell everybody how great the tattoo shop was. Wow. And we just kind of grew our, our following from there. Uh, Mason and I only lasted as partners for about six months, and then I bought him out. And then, of course, when Great A's broke up, Chester went on to Lincoln Park, and uh, yeah. my wife and I became partners in the business. Um, we got married in 1998, and she came into the business around um, 2000 and uh, started helping me just kind of expand and, and broaden the, the branding of what would become Club Tattoo, Awesome. Uh, in 2003, after Chester and I reconciled, you know, uh, uh, mm -hmm. prior to that, uh, he called me one day and just said, hey, uh, I'm doing pretty well financially. And if you ever want a business partner and I went home and, and talked with Thor and she said, yeah, that's that actually sounds like fun. So awesome. uh, we wow. took Chester on as a partner in our third studio in Mesa, Arizona. Mm -hmm. And then he was all in from that point. We just kind of uh, started growing and we, you know, we eventually got to seven studios and we started doing these wow. worldwide collaborations with companies like Etnies and Bicycle and Jardin and Oster. And we started getting club tattoo branding with these huge mega brands all over the world. And then of course, you know, the company just really exploded and started becoming really successful. Um, wow. Financially. And then, uh, in 2009, we opened what we would call our first flagship studio, our first mega oh, okay. studio in Las Vegas on the Strip inside Planet Hollywood Miracle Mile Shops. Wow. And, uh, you know, we, we spent, Chester, Thora, myself, we spent, you know, 
two million bucks opening yep. that store. It was a big risk, but when we did that, I think we changed the landscape of the tattoo and piercing industry very fast because we were on such a global stage at that point. Yeah. People could not notice what we were doing. Um, obviously, our branding had fame, Chester had fame, and then our studio in Las Vegas had such traffic, and we were getting like 80,000 people a wow, day man. walking in front of it that people started to try to knock off what we were doing and copy what we were doing. And and really, we changed the landscape of the tattoo and piercing industry to kind of fall into this. Um, our business was a very upscale model. We went after more affluent uh clientele that were established, you know, long-term career driven people that love tattoos. We were no longer trying to fight for the cheapest or pier cheapest piercing or cheapest tattoo. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. was a place where we didn't really want to compete. We really wanted to compete at the highest level and capture whatever niche of the market we could get there rather than try to fight at the bottom where everyone else was trying to be so price conscious and would do $10 tattoos or $10 piercings. That never really appealed to us. So we went after more of a luxury yeah. uh, brand identity, which in turn gave us the clientele that would end up spending more money and, and feeding the brand loyalty and feeding this kind of perception yeah. of what we are trying to do and who we were as a brand and the company, what we stood for, what our goals were what our values were and those core values carried through the clients. And then it just kind of, everything was reciprocal. Amazing. And it just grew and grew and grew. It grew and grew. It, it, I wanted to ask you, cause yeah, it is amazing. Cause <clears throat> we had uh, uh Kristen Davis on recently as well, uh, doing an individual interview. And uh, he said, yeah. And I, yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah. And I installed the, uh, you know, the monitors and stuff I'm like monitors. I mean, uh, that's amazing to me. Like, I, and I'll put like some extra little video stuff in here for everybody too. Uh, because there's little tours and stuff that you guys have, have on your, like you can go check out on their YouTube page right now. Uh, and it's on there on their website, but, uh, yeah, it's just like, it, yeah, it's very modern. It's very, uh, high tech as well. I love how you can just pick your designs. Uh, you guys have amazing artists, uh, an amazing, uh, staff, you know, piercing and everything. Uh, what drives you to always push to, to, cause you're not, uh, and I love that. And you're being an entrepreneur myself. I love not, uh, okay. I'm going to settle here. Rest on my laurels. I love how you're always trying to climb and improve. What, what inspires you to do that? Uh, man, that's a loaded question. Uh, <laughs> the the hard hitting question for you. The best way I can put it is that I've never chased money. My wife and I have never chased the financial reward. So mm -hmm. for us, it's been about trying to make our industry better and trying to make this company better and better and better. And we're always thinking of ways to improve it. Like we just, just give you an example, those touch screens that you were talking about. Yeah. Um, Kristen and I partnered back in 2008 or 2007 uh, on creating the world's first interactive touchscreen tattoo interface. And so I spent cool. about $150,000 designing that program and the interfaces with Kristen. And then um, the moment we did that, it was a game changer. It immediately was just one more level of separation from club oh, tattoo yeah. than any other tattoo shop in the world. And of course people tried to copy what we are doing. I mean, that comes <laughs> with everything I do. People just <laughs> they try to take the idea and make it their own and then forget the historical uh, context in which it came into their world. 
Uh, we've got ex employees that, you know, will try to go and open up their own shop and more power to them. I'll never try to hold anybody down, but they'll try to make their shop look exactly like our shop down to the millwork, trying to copy the touchscreens, but they don't understand the basic business premises. And that's why it never does as well as what we do is we have such Mm -hmm. solid core values and and a mission statement that uh, it drives the company every day to be better, to make the employees and the staff have a comfortable working environment where they feel safe and they want to grow. All those things are culminating into the mission statement of what we do. And that one core thing is to always try to be better version of yourself than you were yesterday. Love that. Amazing. That's amazing. Uh, An amazing takeaway. And and I'd like to also get into, uh, you know, this points here as well. Uh, uh, This is an amazing book. It's a best-selling book. Um, You know, what there, there's so much i mean I, literally reading this book I, I went on like a roller coaster it was just like interesting stories um if you're a gray days fan and if you're a chester bennington fan you just get to hear like the whole background to to gray days moving up to present day uh you know there, there, there's all there's some crazy stories in there too <laughs> um what what kind of inspired you to write this book and and, and the second lead up question to that is uh, what do you feedback do you get the most that kind of makes you go, wow, I'm affecting people in the positive here. So initially I started writing the book. So the book came out in 2017, January. Uh, I wrote it originally. I started writing it about eight years earlier, just from a tattoo and piercing studio owner context was how it started. Gotcha. Um, I stopped writing the book. And then eight years later, my wife and I moved into a new house and I came across the original manuscript And I found myself getting really upset that I didn't finish it because I'm not the kind of guy that starts something and doesn't finish it. And then I told my wife, I said, you know, I'm going to finish this book in the next three months. And she's like, okay, you know, so literally locked myself in my office and I started over because everything I had was crap um, from the (laughs) eight years. As I started getting into, I'm like, this is no longer relevant or I don't know. I no longer feel this way or I have a different perspective. So I just started over. I wrote it. I was telling Chester one day on the on the phone about it. He goes, well, do you want me to write your forward? I said, fuck yeah, I do. Yeah, you know? it's amazing. So he wrote the forward. And, you know, the, of course, there's some great A stuff in there. There's a few chapters. I didn't – it was more about my journey of how yeah. I got to where I was at. My, my whole reason for writing it was to – I have a lot of people always asking me to write a book, for one. Two, yeah. uh, I'm fairly successful. And I wanted yeah. to share that so many people come up to me and they think, Oh man, everything you touch is gold. Everything you do is perfect. And I'm like, no, it's not. I fail all the time. I am not perfect. I I fuck up and screw things up just like everybody else does. But I think the differentiating factors for my wife and I and Chester um, is that we kept going. When we fail, we get back up and keep moving forward so that we didn't let that failure define who we were. We're not going to talk about the $2 million we lost on the San Francisco store. That's not who we are. That's something right. that happened to us. It's something we learned from. It's something we grew from. And, and here's how we got up and went to the next thing. So that was really the motivation behind the book. As far as the 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 um, the thoughts and feelings that people yeah. share with me, they seem to really enjoy the book. I, I think – I think it's because I'm so brutally honest in in the book and I talk about my failures and I talk about me being an asshole at times. And I talk about me, my behavior at times or things that I'm not proud of and things that I, 
I just owned up to so that for me, there's two, there's two parts of that is one, it's being honest. But the second part is, is because I'm able to own those failures and those behavioral issues or my, you know, at some points, my anger issues and some of those parts. And I don't want to, yeah. you know, describe myself as a monster in this book because that's not what it is. But there's moments that right. I share with me that I'm not proud of. But by doing that, it enables me to say, well, that's something I don't want to do or that's some way I don't want to right. act in. And I can grow from that and, of course, become a better human being uh, in the yeah. process. For the, so that's what it's about for me. I really enjoyed writing the book. I just wrote my second book with my wife. It comes out. Oh, in cool. March. Oh, amazing. Uh, if, if you have anything coming up with that, please let me know. I'd love to uh, pump that out for you, man. We'll do another interview when, that, when the time's right for that. But it is coming out on Entrepreneur Press in March. Uh, it's going to be a, a big release. It's actually uh, – uh, I'm very proud of it. But, awesome. but on the Tattoo Millionaire front, the one thing I'm so glad – about was that I was able to capture that story of the early days of Gray Days and have Chester's involvement in writing the forward and giving me his feedback on the book before he passed. Because I feel like if I were to put this book out after he passed, people would be like, well, did that really happen this way? Or did, or, or, or wow. did, you know, did Chester yeah. really feel like that? And having his sign off on the book and reading it and tell me how great he thought it was and then offer to write the forward to me, that moment in time can't be changed. And I'm so glad that that was one of the things I got to do with him before he passed. Amazing. Yeah, it's, yeah it's totally amazing. Uh, and it's definitely, it's an in inspirational book. And it's, like I said, entertaining. It's got very interesting stories to it. And, I, and again, I, you know, I appreciate that honesty you have in the book. Uh, it doesn't, yeah, it paints you off as you're learning as you go. I love that. And I think that's so important for people to hear. Uh, a side question here. Uh, could you tell us, we're talking about tattoos here. Tell us uh, your first tattoo ever. My first tattoo, I was 16 years old. I was in high school. My friend Shannon Smith and Matt Simon, we decided to get fake IDs. And so we got these really crappy fake IDs for 20 bucks. Okay. And we went down to the tattoo shop. There happened to be a tattoo artist there by the name of Paul Stotler, who's a very well-known tattooer now. He mm -hmm. works out of San Francisco. He's an old school traditional guy. Uh, but at the time, he was just a young kid first starting out tattooing. He gave me my first tattoo on my arm. Really? It was a really silly skull chopping his own head off with a machete. Uh, it was the first tattoo I got covered. Uh, but that was my <laughs> first tattoo. You know, I was young and stupid. And, uh, it's, it's, it's one of the things you do when you're, when you're young is you make rash decisions based on what you think is cool rather than what you think uh, carries meaning or, or, or maybe emanates – yeah, something you really value in your life. That's a great, that's, that's a my, great that, you know, that's what my tattoos do now is everything that I get tattooed on me now has a, has a, I don't want to say has an extremely deep meaning because I don't want to be over dramatic, but right. at the same time, it carries, carries something of value, uh, something I believe in or something that I, I love or something that I find beautiful that I've always found beautiful and that's not going to change. I love that. That, that. That's amazing. Yeah. I, my, my oldest daughter is ready to get tattoos. And uh, I'd say, I think I know a good place to go. <laughs> well, you let me know when she's ready. I, I, I definitely will. I, I'm sold on it already. Um, and the other thing, I do want to bring this up because it's so well done, man. Honestly, uh, the, the Gray Days album Amends, which is, again, a, a chart topper. Uh, for a very good reason. And honestly, it's it, it's pretty rare for me, you know, because I have a, yeah, you mean that thing right there? 
And I love that it's on vinyl too. But for me, I have a music, uh, you know, background as well. And for me, seeing um, it's rare to have a whole album you can listen cover to cover. And Thank this you. this this album you can easily do that. And it, you go through again, like you, there's some bangers on there, like you, you've mentioned, and uh, and the very deep thought provoking songs. Uh, is there something you could tell? <clears throat> and I say that with a little bit of a wink, wink, <clears throat> talking to you and, and Kristen and, and Mace. Uh, some things you're working on for Grey Days fans right now. Yeah, I'll give you something. Uh, we're actually working on quite a few things, but uh, the immediate thing is we're, um, we are putting out a five-song uh, acoustic EP, uh, I believe, towards the end of the year. So uh, it's going to really? have five songs on it. There's going to be um, – I, I think there's some really cool emotional differences in the tracks. Um on this and I think the fans will really appreciate it. So it's a much softer side of gray days. And, but, but to me getting to do acoustic songs with such an incredible vocalist like Chester is, yeah. it doesn't get much better than that. So uh, amazing. that's what we're working on right now. As a matter of fact, I have to be in the studio next Thursday. So, Oh, killer, killer. <laughs> Super looking forward to that. Yeah. I remember when, uh, I think it was Kristen mentioned it first. I'm like, Oh, that's, that's amazing. I, I could totally hear that uh, <clears throat> acoustically. Be a phenomenal. And the other thing I love about this album too <clears throat> is that you, uh, like your sons, uh, also do music and they're involved uh, in the album. Correct? Yeah, both my both my kids, um, Brennan and Karsten, are are drummers. They're both very good drummers. Of course, they learn from their awesome dad. <laughs> but uh, in all seriousness, they're they're both really good drummers. And I, this is a project that after after Chester passed away hmm. i don't think this is something we would have done if chester was, had been alive this would have been a hardcore gray days only thing this right. would have been just about gray days coming out doing our thing but after chester left everything took on a little bit of a different meaning hmm. and the perspective changed and i realized okay well we only have so many songs we got you know 25 30 songs or whatever to deal with here so there's a finite to this project and there are people who Chester loved. There are people who loved Chester. There are people who admired Chester. There are people who Chester admired um, that would have loved to have gotten to play with him and write with him. And that's just one of those things that came into the fold because of that thought process and, and our approach. Uh, it's how we ended up with so many guest artists on the Amends album. It wasn't because we needed them or wanted to put their name on the track. I didn't give a shit about any of that. Yeah. Um, it's because those people really loved and cared about Chester and had a connection there. And, and um, for is in context to my children, uh, once we had uh, got Jamie involved and we started thinking, yeah. about, you know, Chester was such a family guy. He loved my kids. He's been around my kids since they were babies and uh, they loved, they loved uncle Chester too. Uncle, uncle Chelvis is what they used to call him. So <laughs> Uh, here's, a, here's a little thing that a lot of people don't know. Um, Chester's nickname for a lot of us who are around him, we call him Chelvis in honor of, of Elvis. And, uh, so they call <laughs> him awesome. Uncle, Uncle Chelvis. And uh, it was one of those things with Chester and I, we, we'd, we had nicknames for each other. And that was that was one that always brings a smile to my face. That That's awesome. A nice little bit of trivia as well. And I love that too. Yeah. Cause like I said, my, my, my oldest daughter, uh, the, the music somehow transferred down to her and uh, it's, it's an amazing feeling. And that was an, another touching moment seeing uh, Jamie on there and, and, and your sons as well. 
uh, seeing that that carry forward. Really cool. Now we are definitely gonna. I'm wrapping things up here. We're definitely gonna have some gearheads watching this. So uh, I think it'd be a great thing to go over. Uh, what kind of gear do you like to use? Drums and cymbals and things like that. Okay, so I uh, just got a DW endorsement uh, nice. about a year ago, and my kit finally arrived. I mean, fine. I, I ordered it. It was like a nine-month process, but oh. uh, I play an all-birch, um, natural-stained DW kit. Uh, I have an eight-inch deep natural birch snare from DW. Oh, nice. Uh, a 10-inch tom, uh, a 10 by 10 tom, or 10 by 10 by 9 tom. I play uh, a 12 by 10 tom for my two uppers. And then I have two really deep lowers. I have a 14, I'm sorry, a 16 and an 18 uh, okay. Alberch um, toms that I play a full DW rack and the toms are mounted on the rack as well. Uh, I play a 22 inch uh, DW kick. I uh, have the DW 9000 uh, hardware, uh, hi-hat pedal, kick pedal. A full DW cage. As far as symbols go, nice. nice. Uh, I got a I got a nice uh, Zildjian endorsement. Um, Great. And I've got all of the A customs, and then except for my ride is a K signature um, ride, and then I play the uh, the A custom. Uh, yeah, I do play the A custom uh, hi hats, fourteen inch hats. As far as symbols, man, I got a bunch. I, I've got yeah. a couple of 16 uh, A thin crashes. I have an 18 uh, A medium crash. I have a 19 A heavy crash. I have a 17 medium A crash. So I, th I think that's everything. Uh, I play big sticks at the moment, uh, but I'm looking oh. for a stick endorsement. But I, I play five Bs. Five Bs? Okay. Excuse me. I play two Bs. I used to play with five Bs. Now I play with two Bs, a little bit heavier. So nice. um, I don't know why I changed. I just felt like my grip was a little bit better with that. Interesting. Okay. And uh, what else do you want to know? Did I cover everything? <clears throat> I think that's pretty much everything, man. Yeah, you got everything, uh, you know, drum symbols. Uh, you know, I'd like to say we, we get people also their gearheads about it. Um, I'm a gearhead. I love that stuff. Yeah. It's, it's, it's great. I mean, you can go nuts with it. Uh, I'll pop this up for everybody as well. Uh, you can follow Sean here, uh, social media, uh, Club Tattoo as well on the website here. And also, guys, if you haven't by now, you should go check out Great Days Amends. Uh, phenomenal, phenomenal album. And uh, you can get it wherever you normally get your music. Uh, thank you so much, Sean, for being on the show again. Always a pleasure to talk with you, man. My pleasure. Have a great day. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hope you all enjoyed the show. For more great interviews and content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Legends and Master Show. Also, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Be sure to go to our website, www.legendsandmastershow.com, and join our email list for all upcoming shows, events, and articles. See you on the next one.